And if you're here this morning, you are fruit of their prayers. You're part of their heart's desire to see this community changed. And one of the reasons why we feel God's called us here, if you're to be part of River City Church, is God has also put that heart and that burden on you as well, that we together as the body of Christ are called to, to be uh, Christ's hand and feet going out into the community and seeing uh, people come to know him. Amen. So just want to thank those that are serving and helping move the church mission forward. Talking about a word called sacrifice, so it actually worked out well. Uh, we've been doing a series called Spiritual Essentials. So that word essential, we'll keep going through it every week. Absolutely necessary, extremely important. Synonyms, crucial, necessary, key, vital, indispensable, important, all important, of the essence, critical, imperative, mandatory, compulsory, obligatory. We're talking about spiritual things that aren't suggestions in the Bible. They're not suggestions. These are things that Christ has commanded us, that God has spoken through his word to us, that are timeless truths that we need to be um, using in our lives. And too often times as believers, we, we go through life and we, we are following Jesus so easy, we get off track and we're like, why isn't things working out for me? Why, why, why do I feel spiritually dead inside or like I've gone off the rails? And oftentimes it's because we've, we've forgotten the, the first simple things. In Revelation, uh, Jesus is speaking to one of the churches and he's like, yeah, you've done a great thing, but you've forgotten some of the essentials. You've forgotten what it means to really love me and to do uh, those simple things that you did at the beginning when you trusted me. And so that's what we're doing as church. We're going back to the simple things of what it means to follow Christ. And so first one we talked about was uh, greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, every, all your whole being. Pretty important. If we don't have that one done, we can throw everything else out the window. Number two, love your neighbor as, your, as you would yourself. So we're loving God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And, we're, and as we're loving God, as we're, we're, and it's a choice, it's a verb, we're choosing to serve, to follow him, we're loving him, we're going after him. And his love for us, as we do that, as we connect with God, his love for us just flows into us. And we're not supposed to just stand there like holding it to ourselves. We're supposed to let that love go out. We're supposed to love others. Just as God forgave us, we are to forgive other people. Just as we want other people to to be kind and generous to us, we are to be kind and generous to other people. It doesn't make sense to to say that we are images of God. We're to be reflecting God's image to the world around us if we aren't treating people the way Christ has treated us. So that was number two. So this week, the third thing we're talking about is sacrifice, because part of of what God has called us to do, part of being a believer, part of our faith is we worship, right? We worship God. And so today we're going to be talking about sacrifice. Sacrifice is the heart of worship. The word sacrifice means to, to give up or to let go. And we're going to be looking at this in many different aspects of our life. But to sacrifice basically means to give up or to let go of something. The opposite of that is to hold on or refuse. So if we're refusing to let go of what God's called us to let go of, if we're refusing to do that, we're holding on, we're holding back from God, and therefore we are not worshiping God. 
See, at the heart of all true worship is sacrifice. Sacrifice willfully and cheerfully given distinguishes true acts of worship from hollow and self-serving religious gestures. See, the word worship means to ascribe worth or value to something. We've talked about this quite often, and one of the reasons I, I, this seems to be a common theme in most of the sermons is in our society, we are self-worshippers. The biggest idol in our society is me, myself. We worship self. So how important something is to us will determine how much we put towards something. Will determine how much we invest in that thing. When we worship God, we are showing how much we value God, how much we love Him, how much we value Christ's life, death, and resurrection. It's a showing because true worship is not just telling how much we love and value God, it is, it is showing it. So when we come together, we're, we say we're worshiping God. So we gather together and, and we, we sing songs, right? Now, how many of you would, would agree with me that singing the words that we sung this morning isn't necessarily worship? And what I mean by that is anybody can sing a song. Anybody can say something. You guys are front row. You get picked on. Sorry. Um, so James and Jackie, they love each other. James can tell Jackie he loves her all he wants. He can say, I love you, baby boo, or whatever. What do you say? I don't know. I don't know. He can say, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But it's his actions that show how much he actually values her. See, actions give life to words. Words without action behind them are meaningless. They're hollow. And so the same thing, our worship, the things that we say, the things that we do, are meaningless if there's not action behind them. And that action that, that motivates, that action that is at the heart of worship is sacrifice. The action of letting go is worship, is at the heart of worship. We can say we love God and appreciate Him and are thankful all we want, but our actions validate and even bring to life our words. So let's say just Sunday morning, just in the concept of, of, of we're not talking about praise necessarily today, we're talking about worship as, as life, but even today, so as we're sitting there, we're, imagine we're just sitting there holding nothing back, yay. Oh, God, you know what? I just can't quite, I can't go there yet, so I'm going to hold back. Holding nothing back. Then the words we're singing are meaningless. It's not worship. It's just singing a song. Part of, I didn't plan it, but I'll just get into it a little bit. Part of when we sing and we praise and we worship God, there is a letting go that is taking place. We are letting go of our dignity. We are letting go of control of our lives and saying, God, I'm letting go. You take control. When we come together, what we're doing, when we come together, we're saying, okay, God, we are your children. We are humbling ourselves. You are God. We are not. And if we're holding back control 
of how we want things and our thoughts and our minds. We're not fully engaging. We're not fully stepping in to worship. One reason it's so important that we gather together and we worship and we celebrate and we sing these words is there is this, this beautiful mental and physical letting go that is taking place as we worship. In the Psalms, it talks about it being a sacrifice of praise. It costs us something. We have to get up. Didn't cost us an hour of sleep today because we got an extra one. Yay! But it costs us something. We get up. We come together. We serve one another, whether it's making coffee. You guys did an awesome job back there. Thank you. We teach classes together. We, we do these things. We, we, it costs us something. It, we're letting go. We're letting go, and we're taking hold of what God has for us. So when we're not letting go, what we are doing is we're basically saying that, God, I'm more important than you are. Sacrifice. The heart of worship is sacrifice. And so if we're not able to, to let go of what is God's and let go of what he's calling us to and put it in his hands, we're holding on to it because we feel that we and our ideas of what should be are more important than God. And so we're giving ourselves, our thoughts, our wisdom more value than God's. Therefore, we are now worshiping ourselves and not God. When we sacrifice the things that God has called us to, see, there's, there's the thing that happens. We think we're not sacrificing. But the reality is you cannot live without sacrifice. Sacrifice is a part of our life. Because we're either sacrificing our wants for God's needs, or we're sacrificing God's needs for our wants. It's one or the other. And so when we, when we sacrifice the things that God has called us to for our own comfort's sake, or because of our own laziness, we are worshiping ourselves. Doris could say, you know what, Mexico's a long way, and, uh, you know, there's this, like, maybe that Zika virus is down there, and they got the drug dealers, and she could be, you know what, I've never seen her, I'm sure there's a little maybe, but I see, she's, she's not afraid. She let go of fear a long time ago. She let go of personal comfort, and, and she could have, you know, the, she could have just put that money together and went to Cancun or Sandals or something, all-inclusive resort. Hopefully you can get to do that someday. That'd be great. But she let go so she could take hold of what God has for her, living a life of sacrifice. We are called to sacrificial worship. Worship without sacrifice is not worship. So I'm just going to break it down. There's a few different things here. <clears throat> We're called to sacrificial worship, giving something of true value or worth that we would actually want to keep for ourselves. That's what worship is. We're giving to God something we would rather keep for ourselves. Now, as we talked about, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. That starts with ourself, number one. The reason why people don't give their lives to Christ, the reason why people don't want to serve God is because they don't want to let go of it for themselves. They want to live for themselves. We want to, and if we're honest, every single one of us here is selfish deep down inside. I love scripture. It says, the heart is deceitfully wicked. How wicked can we actually know? 
the older I get, the more self-actualized I become. And, and you look in your family history and you see relatives and their lives and how similar they were. And you realize, man, I could be a not nice person if I really wanted to be. Now, there's a few of you out there that are probably just nice, really nice people even without Jesus. But I guarantee you I would not be. But because we sacrifice ourselves. See, God already did it. He sacrificed himself for us. It's, it's not a, it's not, he's not asking us to do anything he hasn't already done for us. God, creator of the universe, became nothing. He became as a worm. He became human flesh. He walked among us. He, he stubbed his toe in the nighttime like we do. He, he had those anxieties, those fears come against him just like we do. And he did that. Because he wanted us to see how much he loves us. Because at the heart of worship is not just sacrifice, but love. True love is sacrificial. If you see a parent caring, I, I, the other day I was driving, God just gives me weird thoughts. I'm driving and I was thinking like, you know, a lot of times we have kids just because we're selfish and we want to make little people that are just like us and be like little pets. That was in my head. And then, and so I'm thinking, I'm like, we have this selfish motive sometimes for wanting offspring. But then when they come, there's a shift that happens. And you've now stepped into the most sacrificial calling you can possibly have in your life for the next 18 years, maybe longer. Get out of your parents, kids, out of your parents' basements. Come on. I'm just kidding. But true love is sacrificial. When two people come together to be married, to become one, united by God. Two whole people do not go together. Because it takes sacrifice. You have two individuals who both have to let go, sacrifice their own selfish wants and desires so that they can meld together as one. The same thing with us and God. If we're going to meld together truly with God and his purposes. He already sacrificed. He already set the bar. He's not asking us to do anything he hasn't done for us. As we learn to let go of our selfishness, God is not selfish. He gave everything for us. Gives us chances over and over again. How deserving of our love is he? How deserving of our sacrifice is he? So if we let go Create that space that we can come together fully with God, fully worship Him, fully interact with Him. So giving something of true value or worth that we would actually want to keep for ourselves, that is worship. We see this in the Old Testament. As Evan said, um, even in, in uh, Genesis, we see Cain and Abel. They're giving to God. We see Abraham when he first meets uh, Melchizedek. That's a really cool story. We'll get into that another time. So if you, if you don't know these names, don't know what I'm talking about, when we have our Bible study starting in January, come to it. All right? Make sure you show up. But he, he gives sacrificially. We see all through, every time God did something, let his people, what they did is they said, God, you are amazing. God, you did this for us. Hey, we could keep all these spoils, all these riches from this battle we just won. We could. We could... Uh, Keep this kingdom for ourselves. But you know what? God, it's about you. And they give to God of their lives, of their talents, of their resources. 
And so I'm just going to hit a couple areas for us to think about, to meditate on this week. What is something that we actually like to keep for ourselves? You can ask yourself, what's, you know, it's, we just had Halloween, right? Everyone's got their favorite candy. You're going through, how many of you, you know, you would get that candy and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love that one, that one, that one. You know what, I'm going to share the rest of this. I hate these. Blech. Anybody want some? We share the candy we don't want, right? Am I the only person who's done that? Okay, all right, good. All right, you go through and you're like, yes, half-size Snicker bar. That's mine. Ah, oh, another Tootsie Roll. Here, brother, you can have that. You know, we do, I do that with my little brother. We'd give him the stuff we didn't want. They think they were, we were being nice to him. What is God put in our lives? And sometimes we, we think, God, I'm giving you so much. It's great, God. And God's like, yeah, but that's not what you want anyway. When we give God the junk, when we give God the stuff we really don't need and want, that's not worship. That's, that's just called a token. That's called just giving God the candy you don't want. We do that, though, don't we? So what are the, some of the things that we like to keep for ourselves? We keep the best of it for ourselves. Here's some of the candy we keep for ourselves. Number one, time. We keep the best of our time for ourselves. And this is one, now, just so you don't get mad at me, God's kicking my little tail on this sermon too, okay? I'm with you. God's challenging us all. And it's so easy in ministry that we're like, God, I'm doing your work. I'm spending all this time for you. And at the end of the day, God's like, I just want the best of your time. I want it undivided. I just want you to be with me. God's challenging me on that. But sacrifice, rather than schedule, so here's something we ought to think of. Rather than giving God the last little bit of candy that's left over in the bottom of our candy bag, that the wrapper's half open, we're not sure, maybe a squirrel chewed on it, and we picked it up in the dark and put it in our bag and didn't realize it. Rather than schedule time with God and our service to Him around the rest of our life, rather than giving Him the last of it, maybe we need to schedule the rest of our life around spending time with God and what He wants for us. Because if we don't spend time with God first, we're not going to hear His voice as clearly, and we're going to mismanage the rest of our time, and we're going to be doing things and spinning our wheels in circles because we're not fulfilling what God wants us to be doing. But if we start with Him, if we start with His time and His presence, hearing His voice, all of a sudden as we leave and go through our day, we're like, hey, wait a minute. I think God wants me to pray for somebody today. And all of a sudden, rather than just seeing that person go, hey, man, sorry, bad luck, back on our day, we stop and we're like, oh, my goodness, I think that's the person God wants me to pray for today. Can I pray for you? Yeah, you do that? And they start crying, and all of a sudden, we have this amazing Jesus moment. Amazing Jesus moments don't happen generally unless we are first spending time with Jesus. Amen? John chapter 9, verse 4 throw some scripture in here. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. Jesus was talking to his disciples saying, look, we're, we've given limited amount of time in this life. There's limited amount of time in a day. I've prayed for 48 hour days. It hasn't happened yet. I was like, God, I can get so much done if you give me a little bit more time. If I could get by on less sleep, even better. Hasn't happened. So what I have to do is rather than keep saying, God, could you, could you 
we do the same thing. We do the same thing in our time that we do with our finances. When we get, find ourselves in trouble and running short, we say, God, could you just give me more? Well, the problem isn't that we don't have enough. The problem is we mismanage what we do have. And the same thing is with our time. We just need to manage our time better. And so if we give God first, sacrificially, because that's sacrifice. We want to keep what's first for ourselves, right? We schedule time with God and, and things that he's calling us to do, and we put that in our books first, like, I know God's calling me to do this. God wants me to pray with people, or God wants me to help teach a class at church, or God wants me to help serve or, or go with Kevin to Madison to hand out some blankets to the homeless. Whatever it is, schedule that first. Then we'll put cribbage and, and uh, bowling and dart league, everything else around it. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while, then it is gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wants us to. There's some great wisdom in here. James is speaking to us. He's saying, look, rather than just making all these great big plans, we plan, we're planners. We like to plan. We're like, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And what he's saying is, or we plan like, well, I got to get this business promotion. I got to do that. And, and then, I'll, God, I'll, I'll serve you after I do this and after I accomplish this. Then I'll do what you want. And James is saying, look, people, don't do that. It's not, it never, when's the last time it turned out the way you thought it was going to turn out? Very rarely, right? It's called life. Very rarely does life pan out exactly the way we plan it and think. So James is saying, here's a better way. Say, you know what? I'd kind of like to achieve this. I think I'd like it to happen, but you know what I'm going to do first? Instead, I'm going to say, God, what do you want me to do? And then plan out our time, plan out our lives. I had to do that. It was like, God, I'm going to join the military. I'm going to jump out of airplanes. I'm going to blow things up. I'm going to get some cool Merc skills, and I'm going to go back to Africa and help kill the bad Muslims over there. I don't think that anyway. <laughs> and then finally, I was like, God, what should I do? And God led me on a very, very different path. Instead of going to that part of the world with the intent of killing the bad guys, God sent me with the, the intent of sharing the gospel. We have to be careful about the plans that we make and we think. Because the plans that God helps us make are going to be way, way more fruitful than any plans we can come up on our own. So that's our time. Second bit of candy that we keep the best of for ourselves is our physical abilities and our spiritual giftings. We need to sacrifice by using our physical talents and spiritual giftings to glorify God and serve the body of Christ, serve the purposes that God is calling us to. Oftentimes, we, we, we all have things that we're good at. We all have things that God's maybe called us to. Some of you say, oh, I'm not good at anything. Yes, you are. There's something. We all have something that we're good at. We all have strengths. We have different abilities that we were born with, others we've developed through time and practice. And it would be a shame, you know, blessed to have a, a worship team. Becky and Eric, they're uh, down in Florida. I think she's running her very first marathon, which is exciting. Becky's an, I don't know if you guys know it, Becky's an extremely talented person. She's not only a 
recorded artist now, but she's also an artist who's painted. She does film production. She's worked on movies. Her and her husband are in athletics. But you know what her first passion is? I just talked to her this week. It's doing what God's called her to do. I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, but she said, you know, I just realized that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Leading God's people in worship and helping them go deeper and understand and help develop worshipers. She's a very talented person. She could be out in the world being a successful person, making a huge name for herself. There's nothing wrong if that happens. God, great. But her heart, her intent is to put God first. She's giving God the best of her abilities and her talents first. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What skills, what talents has God given you that you can use to serve the body of Christ? That you can serve. Doris is using her nursing. She's used it here in the States. She's also using it overseas. Evan and Andrea are educators, they're teachers. They help teach and they help grow and help disciple people here in our body. What resources, what talents do we have? Fourth thing, over time, physical abilities or spiritual giftings. And the other last big piece of candy we really hang on to is our resources. Rather than giving financially to God whatever is left over at the end of the week, which if you're like me and most average Americans, that's nothing, We budget a percentage of our income to give to God first and pay the world second. Crazy thought. God first, world second. See, that's the heart of of giving. That's what tithes and offerings is about. That's why it's called an act of worship. That's why we gather together the first of the week. We're giving, it doesn't matter when, but whenever we can, we're giving God of our time. We're coming together. We're giving God the first of our resources. Because what happens is when we give the world first dibs at our candy bag, the world's always going to take the best. I mean, if you're sharing your bag of Halloween candy with a bunch of kids, the good candy's going to go first, right? It's going to go first. And so the same thing, when we, we've got our bag of time, we've got our bag of our skills and our abilities, we've got our bag of our finances, and we're like, okay, world, here you go. Take what you need. Here's a Tootsie Roll, God. Imagine if we first said, okay, God, whether it was a huge haul or whether it's a small haul, whether we have a lot of finances or small finances, whether we have a lot of free time or a little bit of free time, whether we're extremely talented and dynamic person or whether we think ourselves not so, the reality is God wants first dibs. And whether you're somebody with a lot of amazing gifts or you're someone that the only thing you can do is weave baskets under the water. If that's the only thing you can do, give it to God first. Weave a basket underwater for God first. Let's allow God to to bring creativity to us, allow us to see what he wants us to do. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
So we're going back to the heart of worship. That sacrifice needs to be a willful, we, like, God, we are so thankful for what you've done for us. We're not to be begrudgingly giving God our time, like, oh, God, okay, I guess I'll go volunteer at the church uh, once this year or something, because God wants me to. No, we should be like, you know what? I can't wait to serve. I can't wait to get there on Sunday morning and shake a hand because for all I know, that may be somebody that God's called me to share what God's done in my life and help them step a little bit closer to him. My handshake, my smile, my story may be the exact thing that God wants to use to set somebody else free from the pain and the, and the circumstance of their life. We have to make up our mind, as Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians, make up our mind. We have to be determined. If we don't make up our mind to live our lives the way Christ has called us to, when it gets to the point of decision, we're not going to make the right decision. We have to determine beforehand. You have to determine beforehand what you're willing to do. When a soldier steps onto the field of battle, they have to determine beforehand what they're going to do. They have to determine beforehand the cost they're willing to pay. Because if you don't do that, you haven't counted the cost, you haven't determined beforehand what your purpose is and what you're called to, when you get to the point of decision, you're going to make the wrong decision every single time. We have to be determined beforehand that we are going to follow God in everything that he is calling us to. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, some ancient wisdom here. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, you may not be a farmer, you may not own a vineyard, but the principles still apply. What has God blessed us with? What has God given us? Let's give the first of that. Let's give God the first of our candy. Let the world get second. And Evan talked about this, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. See, God's people, they're a lot, that's why I love the Old Testament. We see God's people, they, they, they're, they're like you and I. They mean well, and they do really well sometimes, but then after a while, they get a little cocky, they get a little prideful, they get a little hurt, they get a little offended, and all of a sudden, they just start doing everything they're not supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden, they're like, God, why is everything a mess? God, why have you forsaken us? And God's like, I didn't forsake you. I'm right here. You wandered over there. We do the same thing. And so there's this, this challenge God gives them there at a point where God's people, they had wandered from where they were supposed to be spiritually from following him. And so Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, he says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? And God told them, he said, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. Now, here's the thing we got to be careful of. There's a lot of people out there that teach that if you... you Give to God, you do that, then God's going to give you everything you ever wanted. It's prosperity gospel. Being faithful to God does not mean God wants to necessarily make you rich or wealthy. 
especially if that's just going to ruin us and destroy us. And there's some of us here that probably could say, hey, I had money once and it messed me up. But what God promises, he promises to meet our needs. We will not go without. And so what happens is too often we're not trusting God when we pay the world first rather than paying God first. What we're saying is, God, I don't really trust you to meet my need, so I'm going to, to handle this on my own. And what God's saying, look, I am God. I am your heavenly Father. Worship me. Sacrifice to me first. Let go of what you're holding on to. Give to me first. And I guarantee you, if you give to God first, God takes a lot less, asks a lot less than this world asks of us. I love uh, the CCR song, I think, Fortunate Son. And you ask, how much more should I give? The answer is always more, more, more. Talking about society and the demands. and Our world asks more, 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 more. We ourselves, we want more, 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 more. And what God's saying is, more is not the answer. Worshiping God, giving God out of a heart of love and sacrifice, that is the answer. And this doesn't just apply to our finances, as we just said, this applies to our time, our skills, our abilities. You imagine if the body of Christ all across this country, all across this world, we all stood up and, and lived this out fully and wholly. The things we could accomplish, the, the vision, the missions, the things that we've, God's called us to, to reach out. Perfect religion is look after the widows and the orphans, James says. That's why we give to God first, so we can do these things. We can pursue the mission that God has called us to. And lastly, just wrapping it all up, how we live, how we live our lives, the things we say, the way we think, we are to sacrifice or give up our selfish or sinful desires for living like Christ has called us to. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Too often times we think, well, if I'm giving God the first of this and I'm doing that, we think we can kind of pay God off, so to speak. Well, I deserve a little sin now because I'm honoring God in all these other areas. Instead, what we need to say is God wants all of us, every bit of us. He wants our heart. He wants our mind. He wants our soul. This takes us back to number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your body, or your soul. And so as we sacrifice, as we let go and worship God in these areas of our lives, that is how we are now loving him with all of our heart, with all of our mind. We're giving him our desires. We're giving him our thoughts. With all of our strength, our strengths, our abilities, our finances, that's what that now means. So let's choose to love God first, serve him first, worship him, let go of what we are holding back for ourselves. Give to God. And see, as Malachi says, see what God will do with what we place back in his hands. Let's pray.